The Right Hook Podcast. With the Mitsubishi Outlander Business, the two-seater commercial SUV with over 2,000 litres of cargo space, two-ton towing capacity and legendary four-wheel drive technology. MitsubishiMotors.ie All right, it's uh, Tuesday travel, and that means it's Moncom again. Moncom, welcome to the programme. Thank you so much, George. Now, if you were listening last week, you're probably still mucky from the run-amuck challenge and uh, probably exhausted from uh, crossing the island by bike and kayak and God knows what. I'm hoping this week for a slightly gentler holiday with my guest as usual, Moncom again. A gentle holiday, please, after run-amuck? Definitely. Your wish is my command, George. Yeah, we're going to go for warmth. We're going to go for rest. We're going to go for somewhere easy to get to. We're going to go to Malta. So it's a European look, a European week on on the travel slot. And Malta, we haven't covered, and I've always, I've been meaning to cover it for two years because it's one of my favourite places. Basically, these two islands, Gozo and Malta, half the size of London, of the Greater London Borough, okay, but still with five UNESCO World Heritage sites on it. Um, 300 days of sunshine, some of the, definitely the clearest waters in the Mediterranean and amazing local food, sort of Sicilian, Middle Eastern uh, food now that they've got rid of their terrible legacy of British awful food. Um, So like it's the ideal place. Are you done now? Yes. Are you not going to give it one of its uh, most important titles? Go on. Oh, I see where we're going here. World War II, is it? Yeah. Yeah, what, what do you want to say about that? Uh, what the supreme head of command for uh, Allied forces in Second World War? No, you're all wrong. I mean, I'm astonished at you. I really am. RFA's nay, disappointed. The Las Caras war rooms were the centre of the RFA sector fighting control. No, no. Okay. No. Oh, I know. I know. George's Cross. It's going to be George Cross, isn't it? George Cross. George Cross. George Cross. Yeah. The because only population to ever win. Uh, are the only nation location to win a George Cross for the whole population. Yeah, the George Cross is the civilian equivalent of the Victoria Cross. So it is the highest award for gallantry. And it's invariably awarded like to a policeman or a, a person who stops a bank raid or whatever. Mm-hmm. But during World War II, Malta stood alone because it was between North Africa and Europe mm-hmm. and it stopped the, 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 the naval convoys. But they bombed the hell out of it, right? Mm-hmm. And and the population put up an extraordinary uh, defence and they were awarded the population. So the island was always called Malta GC, always. Oh, wow. Until yeah. they, you know, sort of kicked the British out mm-hmm. and they became socialist and all that sort of stuff. And I think, disappointingly, they dropped the GC because mm-hmm. it has nothing to do really with the British. It has to do with recognising the gallantry of the people. Yeah, I wish I checked out when Britain left. I don't remember the GC. Do you think it was more 72 than 77? Definitely by the early 70s, maybe late 60s? Wish I checked that. Yeah, um, and, and there was a fellow called Dom Mintoff at one point, okay. who was the Premier. I know. I think he led them into Europe, but somebody, I'm not sure. But that doesn't matter. All right. Uh, I know nothing else about Malta but, other yeah. than a great movie. You might take it out. Uh, uh, Mal- the Malta story. Hmm. Hmm. So you remember they they only joined the EU in two thousand and four. Yeah. So at the same time as all the Estonia and all those That's Eastern right. European countries were were joining. So anyway, yes. Can I start with the food? Can yes. we go back to frontier? Please do. What yes. what what's the food about? 
rabbits, basically. <laughs> <laughs> They're very proud of their rabbits, which is good. Like That's the basic thing we can learn from them. Ireland, you know, is overrun by rabbits and none of us do anything with it anymore. The French at least understand. But yeah, no, they, they still use it as the basis of their culinary dishes. And the famous chef there that has put sort of Maltese food on the map is Julian Samot. He's got this great restaurant in, called Rubino in Valletta, in La Valletta, in the capital, which specialises in this amazing rabbit dish called Fenchetta, which is... But you can't get rabbit in this country and there's millions of rabbits. Yeah, exactly. Well, But the thing is, then when you go to France, you know, it's all cultivated rabbits. There's more flesh on farmed rabbits. So our wild... I mean, our wild rabbits are amazing to eat if, and they're very easy to skin. If only we, we got out and did that. Because, just I have to tell you, yes. when I was growing up, mm-hmm. rabbit was poor people's chicken. So therefore, my mother would always buy rabbits in the... The, the the market in the uh, famous English market yeah, in Cork yeah. because we couldn't afford chicken yeah, so you yeah. bought rabbit that's lovely that was very oh, tasty oh it's magnificent yeah. yeah that and pigeon we should be eating a lot more of but anyway so um, that and fish you know the, the classic thing about Malta is these fishing these um, Phoenician fishing boats so they're still using old wooden open fishing boats painted white with an eye with the eye sort of like yeah. the Egyptian eye of Osiris but the Phoenician eye of good luck on the on the on the uh, prow and uh, so the particular fish that they have there that they don't have anywhere else is called lang, lamp, lamp, ku, lampuka which is uh, but they, I mean it's all the Mediterranean fish but it's the water that in that part of the Mediterranean is clean so it's actually it's great and the other thing they have this lovely dish um, when you're in La Valletta they specialise in pastizi which are just like the morning puff pastries filled with either mushy peas or ricotta but when they're straight fresh and got from one of those cafes or the street side kiosks around the cathedral particularly on this one Trix San Paui on this lane they're, they're delicious so it's healthy local food Goza has a whole other range of food but now, uh, interestingly I didn't realise it was two islands I only thought it was one Malta well Malta is an island yeah but Gozo is a separate island under Maltese uh, ah, jurisdiction ah. yeah um, the whole islands used to be under Sicily long ago but anyway because th- so if Valletta is the first place you're going to see I mean you know, the northern uh, tourism carbuncled concrete towns on, uh, on the top of the island are where package tourists go and are a place to miss if you if you if you can. There's some good beaches up there, but otherwise to avoid it. La Valletta, the capital, is phenomenal. Basically, Fly in. 16th and 17th century. Yeah, you're talking about flight. Just in case I forget. Unfortunately, there's no direct flight, as far as I know, at the moment from Dublin. So it's, it'll still cost you very little, 150 euros with Ryanair, but you're going to be going via Milan or via one of the other places, Milan. Right, okay. During the summer, Ryanair fly there for 200 euros. Um, okay. Yeah. Into Valletta, the capital. Right. Uh, no, no, yeah, no, the airport is outside Valletta. The, okay. the beauty about Valletta is it's this old 16th century capital built by the Knights of St. John, who were, you know, the original mil- Catholic military uh, order who. who um, who who do took over Jerusalem? They were Crusaders. Exactly, took over Jerusalem for during the Crusaders, and then were booted out by the Ottomans, set up in Rhodes, and eventually, when they were kicked out of there, moved to um, Malta and decided they were going to set, build a city f- built by gentlemen for gentlemen in Valletta. And crikey, it's still beautiful. It's is been, it? Oh, oh, phenomenal! It's all these their their local stone is this gorgeous honey glazed stone, looks like marble, and all the buildings are still made out of these these windy narrow roads with leading up to the cathedral which is now I promise cathedrals are more m- m- normally extremely boring this is probably the most ostentatious the most guilt ornate really? gore build you see they were constantly they were filthy rich ridiculously rich because of their their campaigning they owned Caribbean islands and their Caribbean their campaigning in the Middle East so they were constantly competing with the Demichis so every time the Demichi bought great art or put up jewels they just put more on this St. John's Cathedral it is spectacular 
spectacular. The whole thing looks like golden brocade. Built, as I said, in the 16th century, but then rebuilt in this Maltese extreme, elaborate Baroque style in the 17th century. Uh, and the priests there are still so rich and smug. It's a totally different type of Catholicism. And to show their wealth, in the back they have this, in their museum, they have these 17th century Flemish tapestries all done based on drawings by Ruben and two different Caravaggios. So rather than going to a museum, the Caravaggios are in the bloody cathedral because Caravaggio actually spent time. He spent 14 months on the island before fighting with an organ player and leaving. But before he left, he painted this, The Beheading of St. John, which is like a realist, a realist masterpiece. It's extraordinary. Um, over, so the cathedral all around you is the Great Harbour, the harbour where the military fleet in the Second World War all amassed the entire Mediterranean fleet and much of the aircraft were constantly going overhead. But it was built as the, the perfect naval fleet for by the Knights of St. John for themselves. And above it is the upper Baraka Gardens, these colonnaded gardens that the knights could look out over the sea at what was coming, particularly for the auberge, the Italie, the Italian lords and knights would look out. And there was a, on it is this um, saluting battery where a, a cannon was fired every time a naval vessel arrived, okay? They still fire that twice a day at noon and 4pm with great ceremony and great pomp. And they just guide there who'll show you how to load and fire an old uh, 16th, 17th century cannon. So it's it's it's, it's Maltese equivalent of the Angelus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We should use cannons. Yeah. Right. Um, so, but the thing is, when you're looking out over, you're looking at the at the the beautiful, beautiful harbour with the modern day super yachts in it. But you're imagining the 16th century ships that were there of the of the Knights of St John, and you're imagining the Mediterranean, uh, the, the World War Two, because right beneath you, under the Baraka Gardens, is the Lascaris War Rooms, 60, 40 metres underneath you, which are the war rooms used by the Allied forces. So it was there where the RAF had their sector for fighting control for the entire region. It's where they had their encryption machines. It's where they had the all radar traffic was filtered through uh, from the Mediterranean. It was where it was the operations room for art artillery fire against anti-aircraft missiles. And they've recreated... I mean, this was a top secret. No one knew this existed there. And even after the war, NATO took over. And again, it was top secret. So it's only been open to the public um, since 1992, I think. Uh, and it has been sort of recreated with original the original papers and with waxwork dummies it's really eerie because then so I think it's really extraordinary though in a way yeah. that they celebrate World War Two by with this this uh, uh, war room mm -hmm. and all this and then they dump the GC part, which was given to the people of Malta as a recognition of their bravery. I find that quite surprising. But they had to de-anglicise themselves like we had to do a century before. Do you know, it was important that they take back themselves, improve their own national food, find their own culture. All because, right, okay. yeah, but sorry, that wasn't... Lascaris La La Rooms is only open since 2009, okay. so it's a relatively new thing. Um, yeah, but but they the, what was previously the main thing when people wanted to see the World War Two experience, you went down to the air raid shelters because, because as you they're, said, they bombed, they bombed the hell out nightly of them. bombings for yeah. the entire expanse of the war, just because. You know, the, the 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 enemy knew that every every firepower was coming from Malta. If they could destroy this rooms, they would have possibly won the war. They did. You know, the the public of Malta took on the greatest brunt in World War Two, and are often not recognised for it. And again, hey, 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 hey. they were recognised. <laughs> they, they were. Yeah, yeah. But even and what they did, which is quite extraordinary, because if you look at Malta on the map, yeah. it's perfectly placed between North Africa, where mm -hmm. Rommel. I'm sorry for giving you a history lesson, yeah, yeah. where Rommel was, uh -huh. and. And Mussolini, because there was largely a huge amount of Italian troops, yeah. and and the convoys coming across. Exactly. 
And again, during the Suez Crisis, it was used oh, yeah. by Anglo and French invasion troops to invade Egypt in 1956. Again, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, it, that went high alert because they were determined, they were sure that a missile was going to come land straight on, on, on Malta because r- the Russians knew what was underneath this room, okay. 40 metres underneath. It's, it's, really, uh, it's really eloquent. But to go under the air raid shelters as well, to go into them, like some of them are half a kilometre long, tiny narrow, narrow passageway where every citizen was allocated 0.6 of a metre, less than one square metre each to live in it. And this this is for four years. They were nightly going into these when the air raids. It's an ex- extreme amount of torture that we all owe a huge amount to, even, even neutral Ireland. Even you. Um, yes. So, more history. Let's go to the centre of the island, yeah. to Medina, which was the old capital during, actually originally during the Byzantine time, but particularly when the Arabs took over. And a lot of the layout is still from the Arab 9th and 10th century. It's a fortified walled city, okay, like you might find in Fez or Marrakesh now in Morocco, with the roads so narrow and the buildings so ancient that cars can't really get through it. So this is a modern city in the EU which needs donkey traffic to access. It's, it's pretty spectacular, to be fair. And some of the old 13th century and 14th century Italian palazzos and Byzantine buildings have now been created into really, into sort of uh, elegant little boutique hotels. Um, but it is still mostly locals living here, highly orthodox, Christ- traditional Catholics. So every sort of second building is a convent or a church or the massive 17th century cathedral that vies for the glory of the 17th century or... 16th yeah. century cathedral in, in but Valletta. But what about if you're going there with, with the wife and two kids, like, and you don't want to drag them around? Fair enough. Can you can you find the beach? You can. Um, the beaches are spectacular. It's so it's it's the rocks. The, the cliffs are very sheer. Lovely fossils in the rocks in the in the cliffs. The rocks are rocky outcrops consist of most of the island, but there are some amazing beaches. And probably the most sort of famous and iconic is the Blue Lagoon, which is crystal clear waters with a white sand base. Uh, does get a bit busy in the summertime, but it's uh, between the western end of the island and the uninhabited islet of Cominotto. So it's a sheltered cove just at at Comino itself. Um, as I say, it does get busy, but the beauty is you can you can spend the day swimming there and swim out to Cominotto, out to this little uninhabited island, because the waters are, are very safe and very pure. The diving there, scuba diving and snorkeling, are spectacular. But again, they're even better. The, the beaches and the diving out on Gozo. And Gozo is really eerie. Gozo is, a, is an island in the EU where every single person goes to Catholic Mass every day, almost. Like, when I was there... The what first do you mean time, every single person goes to Mass every day? It is more Catholic than the, the most devout... Co- the, poor Rome. Than the most devout convent you can imagine. This really? is like, oh yeah, like... Abortion couldn't even be mentioned there. And an unmarried girl who gets into difficulty is still brought into a convent or brought into a sheltered house and protected for her entire time. It is extraordinary traditional. Women, old women dressed in black are still so making lace on the side of the road. When I was there a decade ago, people were still, the women all wore shawls to mass. It's extraordinary. And farming is still done in the traditional way. So the farmhouses are laid out in the old Arab style fortress, uh, sort of courtyard houses with inside or like oleander and citrus trees and vines growing around often a little pond and with arched, with Arabic arched windows and these Ottoman style covered walkways. It's really eerie. And all around them, it's very hilly. Uh, Gozo is a lot hillier because Malta has this central plateau. Gozo is all these, little, it's tiny, Gozo. Like you could cycle it in two hours. You know, you could walk it in a day, half a day to drive it, half an hour to drive it, sorry. But all around you are these terraced, 
fields still cultivated. In the rest of Europe, you'll see terrace fields, you know, they haven't been used for 100 years. But these are all have figs growing on them or tangerines or melons or pumpkins. And the food is, from, particularly in Goza, is all from the area. There's a special speciality, a gozo and cheese, a goat's uh, milk cheese that they serve either dried with herbs or unpeppered or, or fresh. Um, so there is that, like, you know, what we love is to find an element of culture that is absolutely untouched and pure. Now, how long it remains so is unsure. But if you're going there, it's, you know, it's an easy ferry ride, but try and stay a night and try and get into one of the old, these old farmhouses and stay in, in them because they're, they're eerie, you know, they're, they're another world. Um, yeah, so, the, I mean, but the, you're going to see the Virgin Mary. Every house will either be called the Visitation or the Assumption or the Blessed Virgin or the Bethlehem or Santa Mary. And even one of the greatest fine sandy beaches, Ram La Bay, has this huge bloody Virgin Mary in the middle of the water. Blessed a bloody Virgin Mary. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> blessed, I said, Blessed Virgin Mary. <laughs> Yeah. Right, go on. Uh, otherwise, the you've area... offended half the listenership. Go Blessed on. Virgin Mary, I see. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, otherwise, the area is it got big. In, it became this big area for movies. So we all sort of know Malta, even if we think we don't. Like more movies are there per head, made there per head of 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 population than in LA. Like what? Well, Gladiator was filmed. All those Rome and the scenes of Rome of of Russell Crowe fighting everyone in Rome were filmed in in in, in the seventeenth century castle just outside La Valletta. Really. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Sorry. Also, uh, Oliver Stone's Alexander was filmed there. Do you remember the sort of yeah. poor movie with Colin Farrell and, and Anthony Hopkins? As was Asterix and Oblix. It, it sort of stood in for ancient Gaul and, and Egypt there. Um, and then there's, there's these massive water tanks right outside. So they use that for the raising the Titanic, that movie. And Second World War movie, um, was it U-Boat, U, uh, U-571 with Harvey Cartel and John Bon Jovi. And Poor Madonna's Swept Away was filmed there. So you're obviously, even right in this area, just beside the castle, is now what's now called Ollie's Last Pub. It was where basically... Oliver Reed died. Yeah, exactly. He, yeah. Because he died during the filming Gladiator, of Gladiator. One yeah. late at night after sort of celebrating in the pub. Yeah. Um, so, and a sort of Cutthroat Island was filmed just sort of in Medina in this, in this old place in the centre, um, which was with Gina Davies. So it's a big movie place. No, this is a tiny place. Yeah, very small. Like, so yeah. it must be mayhem in summertime with visitors. Yeah, now is the time to go. It's unfortunate there isn't a direct flight. It's for one. It's be one. It's worth taking the indirect flight because it's very cheap still to go via Milan or go, go via London. And but to go in January, February. It's warm. I mean, it's you know, it's not hot, but it's lovely and warm. Yeah, it, the skies are blue. There's so less people. But as you say, particularly the resorts, and that why Malta. That's why Malta has a bad name. You know, people just went to the British pubs or to the British, you know, fry cafes. But more and more, they're looking towards their own indigenous food. As you say, it's 17 by 9 miles long. So if you're going in to just see the resorts, you know, it's it's terrible. But to get out in to see these areas, but we haven't even touched. It has pyramids and temples that are older. Sorry, it has temples that are older than the pyramids. There are these five, 6,000-year-old temples there right in the centre of the island. Four of them are UNESCO heritage sites. Um, and Gozo is going to be a, a UNESCO heritage site, an entire island. So a quarter of the, of the whole place will be, will be. But these, these ones... They're trefoil-sided uh, for, uh, sorry, temples, okay, with some connection to fertility. Because inside them, you found they found these, um, what they call fat ladies, okay? They're little dolls, little sculptural dolls with extremely fat thighs and legs and arms, upper arms, and then beautifully dainty hands and feet. So there's some fertility element to them. They're now, fa- they're, uh, clearly they're not in the temple. They're now in this museum, which has... All of these, you know, 5,000-year-old, sophist- highly sophisticated sculpture and even a mock-up 
an architectural mock-up from 5,000 years ago of a temple that they later built. And then they have this far cruder Bronze Age sculpture and work that came afterwards. Um, but this is an extraordinary place, oh, which yeah. we, we, we haven't really thought about very no, much. No, 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 no. And do, at the moment, you can't get in. For the next few months, they've closed down the Hippogeum, this underground cathedral, again, for a uh, chamber, again, 5,000 years old. In all, like, it's 50 square metres of ta- caves and tunnels and this big central chamber that was only discovered in 1902 after being asleep for 5,000 years. Again, we have no idea what it what it was, but we, what they realised recent years that the people breathing, their CO2 was damaging the limestone walls. So they've closed it down. They're now only allowing 10 people per tour in. So if you're thinking of going to Malta, book at least two, mo- two months in advance. Because when else are you going to get in to and a 5,000 year old? It's, well, it's called the Hippogeum, which just means gr- underground in Greek. I mean, they didn't right. know what it was called. It's a basically under the subterranean necropolis discovered All right. a century well, ago. Extraordinary stuff from mm. Monk McGann, Tuesday Travel, 5306, of course. Your text, but the podcast available every week on uh, newstalk.com. Monk will be back next week with more.